0: It's been a uh, privilege to be here already up to this point. Um, worship was sweet. Fellowship was sweet when we first got here, so I've, I've been blessed to be here uh, up to this point. Uh, there's a lot of special people here to my heart, a lot of family, a lot of friends, so I'm just so honored uh, that Phil asked me to come speak with you, uh, preach this morning God's Word, and uh, so so thankful for that. And I hope that uh, the passage that we read this morning, you will leave here uh, encouraged, full of joy, and most of all, uh, worship Jesus Christ our Lord. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 21, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, um, Initially, I wanted to preach the entirety of John chapter 10, but it was just too much, too rich. So maybe we can save that for a, another time if Phil would have me back after today. So uh, if you're able to, I would like to, uh, for you guys to stand as I read these 21 verses. And John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, reads like this. And they know his voice and a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Now, this is a figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You may be seated. Now in our passage today, I want us to see that we are a people who worship Christ. If we are followers of Christ, we should worship Christ, our Lord. In many other places in the world, if you worship Christ, bad things will happen to you. You may be killed. My hope for us today that we just wouldn't admire Christ, we wouldn't just Follow him. We wouldn't just swear allegiance to Christ. But this morning, this passage, these 21 verses, we would worship Jesus Christ, our king, our eternal, our uncreated one, our all wise, sustainer of life, our redeemer. We would leave here this morning worshiping him because that's what we were made to do. We were made to worship him. He is God. He is one with the Father and Spirit and truth. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God and three divine persons. We worship Jesus this morning. And this is the context that we see in John chapter 10. And this is what Jesus intends us to do in response to this scripture this morning, to worship Him. And as chapter 9 unfolded. If you remember back in chapter 9, Jesus gave sight to a blind man who had been blind his whole life. Jesus heals this man. And this man's sight becomes clearer and more clear. Not just his physical sight, but his spiritual sight becomes clear because he sees Jesus for who he really is. And we see that the Pharisees, their blindness becomes darker. And darker, and they become more angry with Jesus because he healed this blind man. Look back at the end of chapter 9 with me so we can see chapter 10 a little more clearer this morning. In John chapter 9, verse 24, the Pharisees tell the healed man there in verse 24, Give glory to God. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. So they're saying to the blind man, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. But then look at verse 38. The healed man who had just been healed from his blindness said, Lord, I believe. And what did he do? And he worshipped him. He worshipped him. The division becomes so plain There's ones who calls out for blasphemy and there's ones who worship. The Pharisees were calling blasphemy and the man who has just been healed, he sees better than he's ever seen in his whole life and he worships Jesus. And listen to me, that's what it all comes down to today. Either we say Jesus is a crazy man or we say that he is God. He is the Son of God, fully God, fully man. There's no middle ground this morning. It's black and white, there's no gray areas. Either you say Jesus is a lunatic or you say Jesus is the Messiah. He is Christ. Before I came to Christ as a young man in elementary school and high school, I was sitting on the fence. I thought I was saved. But deep down in my heart, there was a lot of things in the Bible that I thought were crazy. There were stories in the Bible I thought, there's no way that this can really be true. There's no way that a man can build an art and put all these animals on it. There's no way some of these stories can be true. There's no way that a man can get into the belly of a whale. In my heart, I was thinking, I know there's a God And I believed that there was a man called Jesus, but I didn't believe the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelations. And I was sitting in the middle. But at the age of 19, I realized up to that point, I was blind. My spiritual eyes were closed. That's why those things were foolish to me. That's why I thought some of those things that Christ said were crazy. Eat of my body. Drink of my blood. Deny yourself. Leave your father and your mother and follow me. Those things were crazy to me. They were crazy because my spiritual eyes were closed. But at the age of 19, finally when my eyes were open, all these things become clear to me. And they're not crazy. They're glorious. They're precious. And they're sweet. And you see here the Pharisees are spiritually blind. And they say Jesus is crazy. Well, that's where Jesus was taking the blind man. From blindness to seeing the deity of Christ. And he did. And that's where chapter 10 is going as well this morning. So this morning in this room, you either think that Christ is insane or you think he is God. That's only two boats that we're in this morning. So let's look down at the conclusion of John 10 at verses 19 and 21. It says, there again was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon. He is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So we see the division then, and we still see the division now where we live today. That's what it all comes down to. Either he's insane or he's God. And the reason that we say Jesus brought this down to insanity or deity again is because of the way that he describes his power in verses 17 and 18. Look at 17 and 18. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to take it down or lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Now any person in this room, you have authority to lay your life down. You can take your life. You could jump off a cliff this morning. You could stand in front of a bullet for one of your loved ones. Anyone can lay down their life. But no mortal human being can have authority to take it up again. No one can raise their life up from dead. That's crazy talk. This is why the Pharisees are calling him insane. He's saying, I have authority to lay my life down, but listen to this, I have authority to take it up again. If you're dead, you're dead. We cannot raise our own life up. So now they're saying he is insane. But he is not just an ordinary human being, is he? He is God. So this is where Jesus is taking us in this chapter. That's where he's taking us in verses 1 through 21. So let's follow him there this morning. Because listen to me, everything in your life depends on where you fall. Which side of the fence you're on depends on everything. Either you believe that he's a lunatic or you believe he is God. Now, there's three parts in our verses this morning. There's verses 1 through 6, 7 through 10, 11 through 18. Now, 1 through 6, he is putting the Pharisees to the test again. Now, we've seen him put the Pharisees to the test many times. And John calls it here in verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says, a figure of speech. You see that? A figure of speech. A kind of parable. A word picture. He's using words like sheepfold, sheep, door, shepherd, gatekeeper, stranger. You see that? He's using a figure of speech to them. And if you notice, Jesus does not specifically identify himself with any of those things. Up to this point, he leaves that to the Pharisees to find out. Then in verse 7 through 10, he says, I am the door in verses 7 and 9. And he's going to unpack that for us and we will see what that means. And then verses 11 through 18, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And one way to sum up these three parts, verses 1 through 6, he says, I am gathering a flock of people to myself from these Jewish people. I am gathering people to myself. And listen to me, church, that's good news because he is still doing that today. 2020, he is still gathering people to the flock. And then verses 7 through 10, he's explaining why he's gathering people to the flock. Why is he gathering people to the flock? To give them life and to give them life abundantly. That's what he's doing. That's why he's gathering people to the flock. And then verses 11 through 18, he is explaining how he is gathering sinful, nasty people to the flock. By laying down his life and taking it up again. So he's gathering people to the flock to give them life more abundantly. And how is he going to do that? By laying down his life for the sheep. That's the summary of these 21 verses. So that he can be our good shepherd. Remember now, he's talking to the Pharisees here in these verses. Now there's other people who are around, who are listening, but he is talking directly to the Pharisees because we know that because there's no stopping between verses, I mean chapter 9 and chapter 10. There's no bridge. He he goes directly from chapter 9 into chapter 10. So let's look at the end of chapter 9 into chapter 10, starting in verse 40 of chapter 9. It says, Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter by the sheepfold, The door, but climbs in another way. That man is a thief and a robber. There's no break here. So he is calling the Pharisees the thieves and the robbers here. They got their position as shepherd by cheating, by doing awful things. They did not have the blessing of the gatekeeper who is God, they were crooks. They look good on the outside, but inside they were rotten. They are not faithful shepherds. They are strangers. You see that in verse 5? He calls them strangers. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from them, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. The sheep. The ones who follow Christ, they belong to Jesus Christ, the true shepherd, his own. And they will not be controlled by the Pharisees. Our shepherd, the real shepherd, comes to the fold with the blessing of God, the gatekeeper. He comes in all authority by his Father who sent him. That's the big difference between the Pharisees and Jesus. He has the blessing of his father to be the good shepherd. He is the true shepherd. And when he speaks, the sheep know his voice. And they recognize it and they follow him. Look at verses 2 through 4 again. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper, God, opens. They hear the voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. I recently watched a video on YouTube a couple of months ago. It was a video of this huge field It had hundreds and hundreds of sheep in it. And the shepherd was there and he had a few of his friends over and they were standing outside the gate where all these sheep were grazing and eating. And he said, I want you guys to try to call these sheep to us. Do anything you want to do. Make any noise. Do whatever you got to do to try to get the attention of these sheep. And all three of his buddies, you know, they made all these weird noises and promised the sheep food and whistled and called. And the whole time, the sheep, they just continue with their heads down, eating, paying no attention to these three men. And then the shepherd, he said, watch this. He goes to the gate, and he makes one call with his voice. And instantly, every one of those sheep in that field, hundreds of sheep, their heads pop up, and they start running toward this shepherd. Full sprint. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Why did they do that? Because they know the voice of their shepherd and they love it. They know when they hear that voice, it's time to eat. They know when they hear that voice, they are going to be protected. Listen to me, church. It's the same way with us. When we hear the voice of our shepherd. Man, we know that voice. We long for that voice. We know in that voice there is safety. And we can say, that's my shepherd. I know that voice. I love that voice. I want to run to that voice. So even though that Jesus never says in this verses that he is the shepherd, I think it's plain in the context of chapter 9 and chapter 10. Jesus just called a blind man to himself, and this blind man has worshipped him. But the Pharisees will not come to Jesus. They are heartless toward him. They claim authority, but they have no care for the sheep. If you remember in chapter 9, they sent that blind man out. Said, get out of here. They had no care for that man. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in chapter 9 and chapter 10. So the point of these verses that we just went through in 1 and 6 is that Jesus is gathering a flock of people to himself out of the fold of Israel. He calls his own sheep by name and they lead And He leads them out. This is what Jesus is doing. This is what He's doing in these verses. He's gathering people to Himself. And He's still doing that today. And if you hear His voice this morning, the voice of the Holy Spirit, when you hear that voice, I pray that you will love that voice and that voice will be sweet to you. Do you remember earlier in the book of John when John the Baptist was on his mission? He was in his ministry. He was pointing people to Christ. You remember that one scene where he sees Jesus walking? He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What happened? Those devout followers who had been following John the Baptist, his personal disciples, what did they do? They left him and started following Jesus. And that's exactly what John the Baptist wanted to happen. They heard the voice of Christ and they said, we want to follow him. We love you, John, but we want to follow this guy. Because when they heard the true voice, the ultimate voice, they followed him. In verse 6, John calls this word picture a figure of speech. So why did Jesus tell the Pharisees this? He was testing them. He was giving them one more chance to follow Him. He was being gracious to the Pharisees. And chapter 9 ended with Jesus saying to the Pharisees, You say, we see. You say, we see. Now I'm going to show you do you really see? I'm going to give you a figure of speech and really see if you see. But they're blind, aren't they? This figure of speech he used with them. Look at verse 6. But they did not understand what he was saying. They did not know what he was saying. This picture of the sheepfold and the door and the shepherd, it meant nothing to them. They did not understand what Christ was saying because their eyes were still shut. They were spiritually blinded. They were guilty. So my question to you this morning, what do you see when you read verses 1-6? through Do those things make sense to you? Do you understand what he's talking about when he's the good shepherd? The sheepfold and the door? Or is it crazy to you? We've seen this time and time again throughout just the book of John. Do you remember Nicodemus? When Jesus told him, you have to be born again, what did Nicodemus say? How can I get into my mother's womb for a second time? Or the woman at the well, when Jesus is offering her eternal life, life that would save her, And what does she say? The well is deep. You have nothing to draw water with. Many times Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level, but those who are blind cannot understand what he's talking about. How does Jesus respond to this blindness of the Pharisees? Well, he makes himself look foolish or insane He's done this before in chapter 6 when He says that I am the bread of life. And they say, how can someone be a loaf of bread, right? His words meant nothing to them. Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the Pharisees, when Jesus is speaking of these things, they are in saying to them when He's talking about whoever... Feeds of my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me. All these things are going to be foolish to you, and spiritual eyes are open by the Holy Spirit. In one sense, Jesus was making these things clear to the Pharisees, but in another sense, He was making them more crazy and more offensive. And that's what he does here in chapter 10 of John. You don't grasp my figure of speech is what he's saying to the Pharisees. You don't understand when I'm talking about shepherds and strangers and thieves. Now Jesus is really going to blow their mind when he moves into the next part of this scripture when he says, I am the door and I am the shepherd. I am the door and and I am the shepherd. And the crowd divides into two parts. They've always divided, and they're still divided today. One group says, that's crazy, that's foolish. How can you be a door and a shepherd at the same time? What do you mean you're a shepherd? I'm pretty sure you're a carpenter. You're crazy, man. We know who you are. What do you mean you're a door? What do you mean you are a shepherd? That's crazy. But the ones who love him and who are seeing, they are saying, yes, you are the door. Tell us more about this. You are the door to eternal life. Yes, you are my shepherd. You lead me to greener pastures. I want to follow you. So there's a division here. There was a division then, and there's still a division going on today in our lives. So what does he say about being a door? Let's look at verses 7 through 10 again. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Remember John 14, one of the most well-known scriptures in all the Bible. I'm the way, the true, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And now he's saying, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is promising two things here. You will be saved and you will go in and out and find pasture. Particularly, you will be saved from the things of this world. The wolves and the thieves that come and try to destroy you and kill you, you will be saved from those things because I am the good shepherd. You will be saved from all the enemies who come and try to destroy you. That's what you're saved from. You will be eternally forever saved if you enter by me. Because I am the door. And What does he say later on in John chapter 10? No one can pluck you from my hand. No one can pluck you from my Father's hand. You are eternally secure if you come by the way of the door. But I don't think anyone in this room just wants to be safe, do we? We don't want to just be safe. We want to have life. We want to do things. We don't want to be boring. We don't just want to be stagnant and stop. Yes, we want safety. Yes, we want the necessary things to get by. Yes, we want to be protected. But we also want life. And particularly, we want life abundantly, don't we? We want deep life. We want a joyful life. We want life. We don't want to just stay in the corral with all the other sheep, do we? And just stay walking around in circles all day. No, we want to go in and out and find pasture. Listen to me. If a sheep were to just stay in the corral its whole life, what's going to happen to that sheep? They're going to die. The grass is going to run out. There's going to be nothing but dirt. We want life. We want to get out of the corral. Enjoy God. Enjoy this life that He's given to us and given to us abundantly. We were made this we were made to have life abundantly he is the pasture for our souls and Jesus says I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture the point of saying this is that the sheepfold it represents safety and protection But we don't want to just stay there. We want green pastures. We want those still waters, don't we? And when Jesus says in verse 10, I have come to give you life so that you could have it abundantly, it means I came that you may be saved and that you may come in and out and find green pastures you have protection, you have plenty, you have satisfaction, you can be content in me, you don't have to go anywhere else if you have me as your shepherd. But listen to me, I've heard a lot of pastors preach this, and you probably have too, about abundant life. Abundant life. All of you in this room probably know this, Abundant life doesn't mean stuff. It doesn't mean earthly possessions. It doesn't mean wealth, homes, houses, cars, the best things. It doesn't mean if you come to Christ, He will give you life and everything will be sweet and perfect and in harmony from this point forward. That's not what he means when he says, I give you life more abundantly. What he means is you will have peace, patience, joy, kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit. But ultimately what he's talking about, you will have me as your shepherd. You will have God. In an FCA we say, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you have nothing on this earth but Christ, you have it all. You need nothing else. He is your everything. Jesus is our shepherd. That's what being the door means. Now what about being our shepherd? What does that mean? He says that he's gathering a flock of sinful sheep to himself for abundant life. For abundant life. But how is he going to make that happen? How is he going to gather sinful people like us into the flock? How is he going to do that? That seems impossible, right? But he says, I am the good shepherd. The short answer is, is he is going to lay down his life and take it up again for the sheep. He is going to lay his life down on his own accord for the life of the sheep. He says, "I am the good shepherd. I know my own; my own know me, just as a father knows me. I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep." That's how. That's how it's going to happen. He is bound to his sheep. He loves his sheep just as much as he loves the father. You understand that? That is amazing that he is bound to his sheep and love his sheep just as much as he is bound and loves his father. No more can he lose us as he could lose his father. That's how much he loves the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. He lays it down. But listen to me, church. If the story was to end there and he just laid down his life, the sheep would have no shepherd. And what happens when a sheep flock loses its shepherd? They're done for. The wolves and the coyotes are going to come in and they have nobody to protect them. They're going to run off a cliff and die. They're not going to know where to go find greener pastures and still waters. Listen to me. If Jesus just laid down His life and there was no resurrection, we are the most to be pitied. If Jesus dies and doesn't raise His life up again, we are doomed. But oh, there's good news. Our shepherd is still alive and well. We are not a sheep flock that are just wandering around lost. Our shepherd is still alive and He's still leading us today. We know where to go to find green pastures. We know who to follow. Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This is the charge that I receive from my Father. The Father sent His Son to die for the sheep. That's the whole reason that Jesus Christ the God-man came to planet earth. That was the rescue mission to save the sheep so that we could have access to the Father so that that sin wall that separates us could be kicked down and we could be children of God. That's why he came to earth so that we could have life And have life more abundantly. This is why we can go in and out and find green pastures. Because our shepherd, Jesus Christ, is leading us. He died for our sins. We have been forgiven so that we can have access to the Father through the Son. And He was raised up to be the great shepherd of the lost sheep. He's alive today, leading us, protecting us, helping us find that green pasture, giving us life, abundant life. And this is the pinnacle. This is the top of the abundant life that we should worship Jesus Christ. We talked about it in the beginning. This is what these 21 verses should cause us to do. It should cause us to worship. When we realize that we were the sheep that were lost, we were hopeless. But He came to earth to give us hope, to give us this life and life more abundantly. That's where Christ has been taking us through John chapter 9, John chapter 10. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Do you believe that today? Have you heard this voice? And has it been sweet to you? When you heard that voice, did you say, I know that voice. I know that voice is my shepherd. And I have to follow him. I want to turn from my wicked ways and turn to Christ. He is my door. I know there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ, this door. I'm going to enter this door because I'm hopeless without it. I'm tired of living for myself. I want to live for Him. So the question again this morning is, Either these words are insanity. Either these words are crazy. Jesus Christ is a lunatic. Or He is your good shepherd. For so many years, I went without hearing the voice. I thought I knew my shepherd, but I did not. But praise be to God, this shepherd never gave up on me. And I know a lot of you are probably in that same boat. And that should cause us to worship. He pursued you. He did not give up on you. He wanted you to be in this flock because he loves you. So my prayer this morning is that God would grant you salvation and that you would hear that voice this morning. And listen to me, when you hear that voice, it's unmistakable. You will have no doubt that it's the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for John chapter 10 this morning. And I pray that when we leave this Redeemer Church this morning, we will worship Him in spirit, and true because he is our good shepherd let's pray father god in heaven we thank you for your word your word is so sharp we know it cuts to the deepest part of our soul to the bone and the marrow thank you for your word how active and alive it is each time we open it god we see something new And I pray this morning that we would leave here fresh knowing that our salvation is in you, our shepherd. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making a way for us to be in your flock through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.